Your light leads us home. We're going to be journeying through Advent in this season. We're going to just spend some time in God's Word and around the Christmas story, and we're going to be inviting the Spirit of God once again just to quicken His Word in us, to open up some kind of framework from the story that maybe we haven't seen before or maybe we've forgotten about. Isn't it true that sometimes we have to remind ourselves about the goodness of God? <laughs> In fact, you know, God, when he brought the people, Israel, out of Egypt, he created celebrations so that they could remember the good things that God has done. And then he would encourage them, pass these things on to your children. Practice them yourselves and then pass them on to your children. Tell the stories. Just keep telling the stories. Well, this is, this is kind of one of those times of year where we keep telling the story and reminding ourselves again of the goodness of God. I want to take us here to Matthew chapter 2, and we're just going to read a sort of, I'm going to skip through Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, but if you're somebody who likes to write things down and then read them later on, then write those, write that, write those verses down. Matthew writes, when, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, at the time when Herod was king, some wise and learned men came to Jerusalem from the east. Where's the one, they asked, who has been born to the king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now, disturbed by the reports of their arrival in Jerusalem, the king, King Herod, who was on the throne in Jerusalem, consulted with his chief priests and scribes to find out where Israel's prophesied king would be born. Here in Matthew 2, verse 7, it goes on to say that Herod called the wise men to him in secret. He found out for them precisely when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem. When they heard what the king said, they set off. And there was the star, the one that they had seen in the east, going ahead of them. It went and stood still over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were beside themselves. Don't you love that? Have you ever found yourself being beside yourself for a good reason? <laughs> I've been beside myself in anxiety sometimes. But how about for a good reason? They were, they were overcome. The word of God, I just love what it says. They, they were beside themselves with joy and excitement. They went into the house and they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him presents. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Hmm. So was anybody excited in, in just reading that story? Come on. Have you just like heard it so many times that, that you know, you sometimes stop listening? Well, I pray that you would be listening. Simon Ponsonby, uh, he's a... An influential teacher and a voice in the United Kingdom vineyard 
He's a pastor of theology at the St. Aldate's Church in Oxford. He shares this in his recent publication and called Amazed by Jesus. I believe we have a deeply embedded longing for home. How many of you believe that? I call it sometimes the inner knower. He goes on to effectively share that it's especially during the Christmas season that it acts like some kind of universal homing device. To which I add, it acts rather like a a God-built holy GPS that awakens our soul and it triangulates itself to the deep-rooted need for the for the place of belonging and for the place of rest. And if ever people in our province are feeling that threatened right now, it's precisely during these days. People need a place of belonging and a place of rest. Mysteriously and simultaneously, I I cracked open the pages of Simon's book and it was recommended to my sweetheart back there who's been impressing on me for some time that I need to consider doing a deep dive in a, in a preach from the materials that Simon has presented. And it just so happened that the early chapters of Simon's book landed squarely on our look at the Christmas season. In fact, he almost, he op- he almost opens his book up to this very story. And it just so happened... You know, don't you love it, the coincidences? It just so happened that it coincided with an Advent teaching series that was being put out by the Vineyard USA. It's a series that invites clergy and, and members alike to focus on this theme of Jesus who leads us home. I just like the idea of being led. <laughs> that's a, that's a, a good feeling, I Funny, you know, here I go, I'm going to go on a rabbit trail. But it reminds me of the, the Jews in, out in the desert, and they've got a whole land to take over and to go inherit a promise to them from God. And, and a promise from the Lord to Moses that uh, he'll send the angel of the Lord out before them and it's this great invitation to go, and, and Moses sort of parks himself, doesn't he? And he says, listen, Lord, if, if you're not with us, we're, we're not going. Unless you lead, unless you're present, we're, we're not leaving this place. <laughs> I often wonder if God just, like, sets us up because he wants to see what we're going to ask of him. Well, every year... We come to this place, this time, this theme of Christmas. And every year, broadcast streams and networks lean into these nostalgic songs to awaken our hearts and to stir our hopes for something of home. And to touch upon our commonly held hope for a better life. Do you, do you wake up in the morning wanting a, a better life? Thirsty after a better life. What? Yes. Yes, nodding. Yeah. Come on now. Simon Ponsby shares that Bing Cosby's favorite song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Do you guys remember that? We could all 
Some of us have got enough gray hair. We could sing that together, huh? <laughs> I'll be on for Christmas. Don't you remember that? I used to love sitting with my parents at that square box idiot thing, you know, that would be parked downstairs in the rec room that I was only allowed to watch, you know, maybe one or one and a half hours a day. But I remember when those Christmas specials would come out and mom and dad would just automatically start chiming away. And in fact, my mom could play the, the piano wonderfully and she, oh man, what she could do with those keys. And my dad would every once in a while just scoot alongside of her on the keyboard by the piano and the two of them would sing. They'd pull out these old nostalgic songs and, and they'd sing together. Man, it was amazing. Uh, I'd, I almost felt embarrassed. It felt so intimate with the two of them. But, man, the sound that filled the house when they sang together. Well, that song was, was recorded, and it was released in 1943. And it was a special release from the United States. It was meant to encourage the American servicemen who were serving overseas. They were fighting on European and Pacific war fronts. And then in more typified, stiff upper lip kind of fashion, the British and BBC banned the song. <laughs> I can tell some of my English friends are like going, oh, of course they did. They banned it. Did you know that? They banned it from their broadcast because it felt like they would lower the soldiers' morale. It would make them troops sick for home. Make them homesick. Man, I'm not even going to go there. But this, of course, points back to one of the darkest and the deadliest times in our world's history. You know, after we'd already fought the world war that was supposed to end all wars, do you remember that? Isn't that what they said about World War I? Surely this is the war to end all wars. And World War II had come, and it marked a time actually in our history when over a hundred million people from across 30 nations were caught up in a deadly conflict across multiple continents. Surely to God, this has got to have been a war that ends all war. That's when they released that song. During one of the deadliest and darkest times that the world knew at that known time. Now, before the effects of COVID exacted their painful restrictions on our ability to gather and to travel, my thoughts circle back to multiplied years. I'm old enough that I have multiplied years behind me. When roadways and airports filled with people pressing on to make connections with families and homes across the nation. Do you remember being caught up in any of that? And all while churches readied themselves. If you weren't burnt out through the year, you're going to be burnt out doing good at Christmas. But they, the churches would ready themselves for the explosive influx of Worshippers and families who would come to capture some sense of faith and awe and 
and maybe some sense of renewal. Well, last year, (laughs) the headlines read, Christmas canceled. With COVID cases still high and hospitalizations mounting, the BC Health Authorities announced a province-wide ban on social gatherings. Hanukkah, Christmas, New Year's, whatever we did to celebrate, we were not legally allowed to gather at a home with those outside of our own household. Remember that? (laughs) BC Health Authorities virtually shut down our airports. And not just here in Canada, but around the world. They closed our churches, and they limited us from multifamily gatherings. Now, I'm not trying to start a rally here, okay? I'm just painting a picture. Maybe you've forgotten. And while this year continues with unwieldy trials and setbacks, in what can only be described as a season of some uncertainty, Uncertainty. How do you like that word? Can I encourage you with something? This is nothing new when you consider the historic journey of humanity's struggle to flourish. It's nothing new. Like from our perspective, it's honest. It's honest today, and and sometimes it's all we can do to see beyond that. But see, it was no less true when all of heaven broke open and Jesus entered into our world. It was a mess when Jesus entered our world. His own countrymen, his own, his own nation was, was literally under centuries of oppressions from ruler after ruler over usurper after usurper pressed down, overwhelmed, under pressure from other cultures who, like you, were put there because they're suffering too. All of this stuff was no less true than when Jesus showed up on the scene. Only after saving the uh, adulterous woman who had been pulled out of her home, put up, pulled out of some concealed space somewhere, and made to face a trial of her accusers, did Jesus address the mob and redirect their attention to him. And, and this is what he said. He said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, You won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Wow. You think that's still true? Please say yes. (laughs) Somebody. Yes. Yeah. You know, as I I thought about this verse and I pondered it, I, I thought Jesus was a 
was telling the woman and everybody who had been caught up and dragged into that narrative and dragged into that story, you don't have to live as victims of hopelessness and uncertainty. You don't have to live like that. There's a very different way that I'm bringing that you can live out of for your lives. Your situation is not without real hope. Are you feeling the burden of living in a world of uncertainty? I'd be surprised if you haven't felt it, because I have. Maybe I, I just got some more growing up to do, I don't know. But I have. Now I'm going to tell you there's a prescription to the effects of that burden. All of us are being invited to welcome the light of Jesus into our world of uncertainties, just as they welcomed Jesus to the manger that day. God's Son and our Savior is a lasting and guiding light that leads us through the darkest of valleys. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. Thank you. With you. God's Son is with you. And he's going to lead you past your deepest fears and failures. He's our guiding shepherd. He's a, a present help who shows us the way of life and fills us with hope for tomorrow. And if, you know, if you've picked up anything that I have been saying from this place and speaking to you for some time, be honest with where you are. God knows exactly where you are. Jesus, I'm not in a good place. Oh, oh thank oh, I'm really, I'm really happy that you've finally admitted that. I was beginning to think you weren't seeing it. I know you're not in a good place, but I'm right here. I hear you. I'm with you. I'll lead you past this. I'll lead you through this. He's the one who shows us the way of life and, and fills us with hope for a tomorrow. There's hope for your tomorrows. There's hope for my tomorrow. All of us are being called into a story and living into a reality of God's present kingdom that is actually much larger than just us. I mean, his kingdom has some inertia. How many of you had dreams about locomotive trains at all? Anybody here? Well, I guess if Brad was here, he might be able to help us out, right? I know that in a dream that Debbie and I had, or that I had anyways, with Debbie and I were in the dream, there was a season when we were, we kept ending up with these locomotive in our dream, and we were taking a trip. We were going from one place, and we were going to the other. 
And I've often looked at that locomotive as this unstoppable power with amazing inertia that God was inviting us to get on board with. And it all, it all predated our invitation to come here to Kamloops and just to simply follow him. I believe it was the kingdom of God. God's inviting all of us to come. And the wise men, they were invited to come, weren't they? Well, we read it. On coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. These three men of our Christmas story weren't being dragged out of their homes. They weren't being shamed to come out from their hiding. But they were being invited. They willingly left the comfort and the certainty of their families in their homes. And together, I love that, a picture of these wise men going together. Together they made a dangerous and an uncertain journey toward the place where God's glory had come to make his home. You know that they weren't so much being driven as they were being invited and drawn to welcome God's coming into this world. God is still inviting us to come. The wise men made their pilgrimage to worship the newborn king. They went to the palace. Because they knew a king was about to be born. <laughs> they might have checked in before they went to the palace. But they had assumed that he'd be born in a palace so that's exactly where they went. Ponsonby shares that the wise men went to the wrong place and nearly got Jesus murdered. It certainly got Herod's attention, didn't it? Void of street lights, the ancient world never forgot the sky. How many of you camped in the summers? How many of you push out past the city limits? Not something else. I, you know what I love doing when I'm camping is 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 walking out on wharves on the water where the you know and then the tree line, you know it kind of goes behind you. And if the wharf's long enough, just going out there and laying down on the wharf and and then just lying down and looking up into the skies and just and watching the sky come amazingly. All the stars come amazingly into focus more and more and more as you study it. Does any, anybody resemble that? Wow. Such, such a sense of majesty. Well, countries east of Palestine held and they developed a deep connection to the stars and to the planets in their skies. They, you could say they were really aware. Almost close enough. I, th I thought of those stars and sitting, sitting there on the... Sitting there on the on the wharf, looking up as a child, I, I remember like sticking my hand up there and trying to measure things. Imagine that, you'd just be measuring oh, millions of light years just between your thumb and your finger, you know. 
close enough to touch. They held a deep belief that the entire world was entirely connected. And they had assigned meetings to everything that they saw in the heavens above them. If something important was happening on the earth, then you could expect to see it in the heaven. For centuries, scholars labored to discover what our star of Matthew's gospel might have been, and, and we could probably get into it here. Haley's Comet would have been too early for the story. That apparently showed up around 12 or 11 B.C. Maybe it could have been some kind of strange supernova. More likely is the fact that the planets of Jupiter and Saturn were lining up. We had a bit of that going on, didn't we, just recently? Any stargazers here? Come on. One. Chris, thanks, buddy. Well, Jupiter was known as the royal or kingly planet. And Saturn was sometimes thought to represent the Jews. The two planets were passing by one another. Almost like a waving of hands. I've, I've, my, my earliest pastor tried to explain it to me like that. Just, just imagine that waving of hands. Like, like look over here. I'm trying to get your attention. Hello? Jupiter and Saturn are, are waving at us. And the conclusive and the revelatory bit that shall still remain a bit of a mystery for us. A new king of the Jews was to be born. And they believed it with everything in them. If these wise men were from the east, or Magi, as the Greek word kind of explains it, they, they might have been Zoroastrians, uh, cultists from Persia, which is kind of like Iran. If you, I don't know if you know your geo maps very well, but, but like Israel's kind of like over here, or Iran's kind of like over there. <laughs> they could have been astrologists from Babylon. Well, and that's kind of like Iraq, and that's kind of like over here. <laughs> if they were from Babylon, they would have left their home and they would have journeyed over 800 kilometers to find this newborn king. They weren't buying a boarding pass on a plane, there was no planes to be had. If they were from Persia, they would have traveled over 1,600 kilometers to reach Bethlehem. Now that's, I had to figure that out. That's like roughly going from here, Kamloops, to actually the center of Regina City in Saskatchewan. Any Saskatchewan people here? I know a couple people that just did a trip that went that way. You were still headed out to Red Lake and back. Second century documents held in the Vatican Library are suggestive that the Magi came from much, much further away. And the chairs that a caravan of wise men 
followed a star along the silk route to Israel. From the land of Shur, an, an ancient name actually that's associated with China. That's a long ways away. That's like 8,000 kilometers away. Well over a full year of pilgrimage to come and worship at the feet of the king. All of which actually paints a story for us, doesn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a costly thing, this thing of the kingdom and Jesus. There, there's an there's a invitation, but there, is, there, there does seem to be some cost to this. It certainly was true for the wise men, costly, perilous journey of men who traveled a long way from their homes of origin. And they risked everything to find themselves along the prophesied king who had come, get this, he had come, Jesus had come to make his home with us. <laughs> the wise men followed the light of the star. They, they followed the prophecies. They, they listened to their dreams. They followed the longings of their hearts. And they found the road that led to Jesus. The wise men found what they were looking for. Thank God they found what they were looking for. Not in a king's palace, but they found a newborn wrapped in swaddling clothes and safely hidden away with his mother in a, a, a long overlooked and a little way out of town called Bethlehem. In his testament to the good news of God's Savior, John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, opens with this, the word became human. And he made his home among us. I can't stop it there. He was, he was full of unfailing love. Full of faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. Those are words spoken from a man who knew who Jesus was. Who had been with him through his best times and definitely seen some of his worst times. The wise men of our Christmas story paid a great price to welcome Jesus into this world. But having risked so much, having traveled so far, and having found him, is it any wonder... <laughs> that the wise man rejoiced exceedingly and with great joy. Now, I can't imagine that they could hardly feel their feet touching the ground when they came on him. Nevertheless, they let their face touch the ground, didn't they, in worship. They fell down and worshipped him. They came bearing gifts and worshipped him. Like often that I've scratched 
some of these thoughts from Ponsby writes that so many noble religions demand that we get ourselves right and that we, that we perfectly ready ourselves for God. But the Christmas narrative teaches that God came for us. That's what the story tells us. He laid down everything and even his life to make us right for him. You see, it's, it's a long way from there to here. It's a long way from, from heaven to earth. I mean, it's just a thin veil, but it seems like a long way. I, it's a long way. It's a long way from the Lord of the universe to a dependent child. Jesus made that long journey willingly to make his home with us. It was a costly journey. It was a journey that was marked with joy and with suffering and even death. And he did it all to make his home with us. I want to conclude here with the question I asked you early. And it doesn't require you to pull up your bootstraps and be ready and present yourself perfectly well to the Lord. It just begins with a, an admission of areas in us where we may be feeling some uncertainty. Are you feeling the burden of living in a world of uncertainty? I am. I want to say there's a prescription to the effects of that burden. All of us are being invited to recognize and welcome the light of Jesus and into our world of uncertainties. Karen and the kids read this verse for us here at the beginning of our Advent candle and this is the verse that I want to encourage you to read with me now hundreds of years before Christ would ultimately come Isaiah prophesied this read it with me for those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For our sake, a child is born, and a son is given.